Welcome to episode 14 of In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. No one wants a divorce. It is not part of the dream we had for our lives or our children's lives. For me, divorce came after years of hard work, therapy, endless discussions, and intense soul digging. When I embarked on this terrifying road, I was met with many sad faces, pity, and apologies. It felt like the world around me thought my life was over. And while the process of divorce, the legal aspects, the logistics, and the aftermath are painful and overwhelming, I refused to allow this to define me. The universe told me to reach out to a guy named Scott Simon, who I was only friends with on Facebook, and knew that he had gone through a divorce and was kicking life's ass. I reached out to him and ending up on his couch, connecting for hours, and a soul-sibling relationship unfolded. Scott taught me about the concept of the North Star, how when sailors are lost in the dark and cannot find their way home, they look to the North Star to get back on course and can always find home. He explained that my children would need to be my North Star, that in all decisions, I would need to look to them to guide me. A North Star divorce is when you make your children your main focus, when all decisions are based on the question, will this make them feel emotionally safe or will this cause further harm? It is about adults putting aside our baggage, emotions, anger, and old stories. Today is a solo episode and we are going to be diving into important topics. I have an anonymous letter from one of my listeners who is seeking guidance. Dear North Star Divorce, by the way, this letter is so long and so in-depth and so beautiful and heart-wrenching that I'm going to break it up into pieces and answer each little paragraph as I go because there's so much to unpack. Dear North Star Divorce, as I write this, a lot of different emotions well up inside. I am a child of divorce. My parents split up when I was four. This happened primarily under the premise that I was sexually abused. In the case that my mom was determined the culprit was my father. Naturally, this became messy. The truth is, to this day, I don't know who that person was. They never thought to investigate anything further than my father. So just one thing to acknowledge here from the letter writer and for any listeners is this is a huge massive therapy needed outside help topic and it is so many layers and it needs to be dealt with by a professional but the important thing to focus on here from a north star divorce perspective is none of this should have be shared should have been shared with the child so just a reminder to all listeners who want to have a North Star divorce, a lot of the emotional baggage and garbage that happens in a divorce should not be shared with the child because the other person is their parent. And even if the person is not safe, it does not need to be shared with the child. It just needs to be shared with them about what can and can't happen, but not all of this garbage. She continues, obviously this created a strained relationship between me and him because I didn't know if he had harmed me in such a terrible way or not. I found out years later that my mom had been having an affair for months before this happened. My mom is very eager to please her parents and could not leave my dad financially on her own. Today I can say that I don't believe it was him. I may never know for sure, but I believe this was a convenient out of the relationship. 
again, she would never have known about this and it would never have caused whatever separation that happened as a result between her father and her had this not been shared with her. I know a friend of mine is in a relationship with a person and this similar situation is happening. And obviously there are cases where there is sexual abuse, but in this case, the person's ex is so angry that they made these claims and then told their children this and it caused and is causing harm for the rest of their lives. She continues, even before this happened, they were a shit show, constantly fighting, yelling, screaming, slamming doors, telling my brother and I, ages four, horrible things about the other parent. So one of the things that I found when I did the anonymous letters from children of divorce and adult children of divorce is one of the boxes that many people checked that they don't like that happens in the divorce between their family, between their parents is being told horrible things about the other parent. I talked about this on the last episode. It's one of the two rules I have for clients I coach, and it is a non-negotiable. Even if the other person is a monster, we do not tell our children anything horrible or mean about the other parent. It doesn't mean we don't empathize and listen and acknowledge the pain that they might be feeling, but we don't, we're not the ones who do that. People will find out on their own and we keep them safe, but we do not slam the other person in front of our children. It says, the divorce did not make these things stop. I grew up in constant chaos. I would be with one parent and they would, be, they would try to get me to be in with them and out with the other. So this is an example of another thing that came up on the divorce forms, which was always feeling like we're put in the middle. So one of the things I want to remind our listeners and people I coach is that we cannot do that to our children. It is emotional manipulation and it makes the child feel so powerless and isolated and afraid. And that's obviously what this writer is saying to us. Telling us horrible, disgusting things about each other, some of which are probably true and some of which are probably not. And again, I'll never know, but I never needed to know. Growing up this way, I never knew who I could trust. So you can see as this adult child of divorce is writing to us as an adult that she did not need to know those things and that growing up in this way made it so today she has trust issues and she felt in so much chaos. None of these things needed to happen if the two people that were involved or even one of the people that was involved went on the basis of putting their children first. There is no situation that can arise where talking poorly about the other parent to your children who are not emotionally mature enough to handle that information at at a young age or really ever is going to help anybody. It says, I had a cell phone by the age of 10, which was young in 2004, because my parents could not communicate with each other. So now the parents are acting like selfish, immature people that are making their 10-year-old be the go-between, which is another huge no-no. We cannot have, tell your dad, tell your mom. The only time I do that is like, hey, tell your dad that I'm going to drop you off at this time because I'm like driving in the car. There is no, I do not use my children as mouthpieces or messengers because it's not appropriate. It says, I had to coordinate my own schedule with my parents. If I didn't, no one would be there to pick me up from school or my practice. 
It has taught me I could only ever rely on myself, that no one else had my back. And I can tell you um, to the writer that I grew up in an alcoholic home. My parents are sober today, thank God. But I can relate to this feeling, whether the home is alcoholic, whether the home is abusive, whether the home is a bad divorce, the feeling that you have to take care of yourself at a young age and that no one has your back is a feeling that comes with you into adulthood and it can only be empowered through through therapy and hard work on our part because the damage is already done so she continues there were no joint birthday parties or shared family events i had to decide most of the time who came to what school things which then put me in a terrible position of hurting one parent again this is emotional manipulation it is abusing the child in an area that they do not need to have any say and in this case if no one is physically abusive to the child, they both need to show up. Children want to see both of their parents at important events. The parents do not have to be snuggling or holding hands. They just need to show up and grow up and behave. That's it. It should not be this way. And I'm so sorry to our letter writer that you had to deal with this. It says... Still to this day, I'm having trouble wanting to plan my wedding in part because I dread the family drama regarding any decision I make that involves family. Them being in one place is stressful for me to have to think about. They used us as tools for their hate for each other, refusing to help each other out with visitation schedules. And this is the thing that I don't get. And I want the letter writer to understand that the way that you were treated and the way that this was handled was obviously wrong. But... The opinion that I have, and it's only my opinion, is that this only happens, what happened to you and your brother only happens when two people are immature and selfish. There is no reason to behave this way. The people already made the decision, your parents already made the decision to get a divorce because they didn't want to be together. So why not for the rest of your life, regardless of how you feel about the other person and all the things that happened from the marriage and the divorce, just make up to the best of your ability so you can show up for your kids. It's about being mature and putting yourself aside. That's what I work with with the clients I have because the kids end up hurt. It says, my dad wouldn't pay my mom child support to punish her for the destruction he believed she caused. The fact that the letter writer knows this is because the mom is sharing too much information with her children. It's not the children's business. My mom, a stay-at-home mom prior to divorce, went to work, making very little money. We had a very modest lifestyle. My dad started getting his wages garnished because of his refusal to pay. My mom dragged him in court. His solution was to only work cash jobs so he could claim he was making no money. Again, none of this information should have been privy to you because you were a child. It says he really was making no money, though, by choice. He was quick to anger. So was my mom. I don't think myself or my brother really ever felt secure. And how could you? How could you feel secure when your parents are oversharing, they're harming you by talking about each other, and they're using you as a pawn in between each other? I just want to, like, hug you. Even with COVID, I would take off my mask and hug you. It says... As I've already talked about, we didn't have money. My dad knocked up and got remarried to his student who is 15 years younger than him. I personally love her and I'm happy to have her in the family, but my mom was not thrilled. It became harder for my dad to not work when he started having more kids. 
I started babysitting at the age of 10. My brother was waiting tables by the age of 15. My dad would ask me to write him a check for all the money in my bank account or his new kids wouldn't be able to eat. So this is just continuous abuse of poor behavior. He would wait outside my brother's restaurant and ask him for cash for the same thing. It says, these things I learned as a child have shown their colors in my life as an adult. I've been in therapy on and off since the age of four, which, by the way, everyone should be in. I agree. I think that the only way out is through. One of my favorite professors said that hurt people hurt people. And so if any of us here have been hurt, which obviously how can you not have been, if any of us have been hurt, especially this letter writer, the only way we will not continue to hurt others in our life, whether it's our family, our friends, our partners, our future children, anyone around us, the only way we cannot continue the cycle is to change that hurt and use it to walk through that pain and empower ourselves to be a different person. It said, I start, the letter writer wrote, I started using alcohol and drugs by the age of 13. This quickly progressed into full-blown alcoholism and drug addiction by the age of 15. Somehow I got sober at 17. Through the 12 steps, work I've done, and many hours of therapy, I've begun to scratch the surface to recognize and try to work on my behaviors. And what I love about this honesty and vulnerability is that this is scratching the surface, but it sounds to me, based on the way that you're communicating, that you have way more than scratched the surface. And this is probably going to be something you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. But I think that you're going to find forgiveness because... Your only other choice is to be miserable and angry, and it doesn't sound like that that's the road you want to take. It says, for a long time, I feel like I couldn't fully trust anyone. If I did, I would inevitably be hurt. I still have a hard time letting people in emotionally. I can be cool and calm on the surface, but it takes a lot for me to be vulnerable and deep with people in regards to my own experiences. Of course it does. How could it not? The Your childhood home that you grew up in was so abusive and chaotic and I get it um, I felt that same way but I worked really really hard as it sounds like you are and I've gotten to a place where I can trust people in my life I don't trust everybody but I trust people and I use the people I trust as part of my growth because I don't want to live like that anymore it says, as a result, it's challenging to connect with people. I have a rough time finding friends, partners, etc. that really know me. With that being said, I have come a long way. I have some of the greatest friends today that anyone could ask for. And I think that you've come a really long way and I'm proud of you. She continues, truly, I learned I could only rely on myself. This has come up so many times in my current relationship. I'm constantly in fear of getting stuck. If I'm not fully independent within my relationship, I become super insecure and freak out. I always have to have an out. I think that the needing to have an out comes from, obviously, the place that you just never felt safe and secure. What I can share with you today in my current marriage, because I was lucky enough to find a partner that um, could love me and walk next to me as I was and um, can hear me when I tell him I'm afraid and that I'm trying to, I'm thinking my brain about running. My go-to to the letter writer, still at 41 years old, 21 years sober, well into my divorce and in healing and therapy, is when we don't get along and we're in a fight, I start thinking about what I need to do to get out of this. I want to run. I want to get out because I don't like that feeling of being uncomfortable and being in pain and somebody hurting me. But... 
The good news is I tell my partner that. He knows that about me. I share it with him because I made the decision to trust him and it took me a long time. And where I can share with you some hope and light at the end of your dark tunnel is that once you find a person that you can really, really trust and hold hands with through all of it, that when they hear you telling them your fears and how you're looking for a way out, they can hold your hand and make you feel safe. And that is possible. She continues, from my partner's perspective, this is hard because they feel at times uncomfortable that I cannot trust them. The why and how to move forward if I'm always looking for the out, I'm sure it's hard to not take it personally. I'm working on finding the truth that my partner actually does want the best for me and is not going to use my reliance upon things against me. The sense of chaos has always been familiar, comfortable. I'm always waiting for the other shoe to drop. I relate to this so much, but I want you to know that the idea of the other shoe to drop is really relating back to what it was like when you were in that house, when you were four and you were 10 and you were all those young ages where you depended on these two people and they failed you. And what I can tell you today as an adult is you no longer have to depend on them. If you choose to have them in your life, you get to love them as they are with the understanding that they have a lot of their own stuff and that the other shoe dropping is not going to be the same as it was when you were young. The other shoe dropping is really just life. Life is going to drop shoes because it's life. And part of my belief about life is that we get these opportunities, these tests, I would say, um, to help us grow and become the people that we want to become, that the people that our children need to have us become, the people that the universe needs us to become. And I love the idea that it's just pressure. Like whatever that shoe is going to dropping, that's just going to be pressure. We're going to get what we need to deal with it. And because you've walked through so much, you have so much to deal with things. You have so much strength. And the last thing she says is if things are going well, I'm worried about when and how and why something's going to go wrong. What's coming for me next? As an adult, I've learned that life happens and there's always something coming. But I've gotten through all those something. So I will get through all the future somethings. Totally agreed. She continues, financial fear, I always stress that I will not have enough. This time, I'll end up broke and wondering where my next meal is coming from. I've done work on this as well, she says, although it still comes up. I'm blessed to have always had food on the table and a roof over my head. The last one I'll talk about here is the perfectionist fixer role I had always taken on. And I understand why you're going to talk about that, because you had no one that was taking care of you, so you had to take care of you. She says, being the youngest in the family at the time of divorce did not stop me from always trying to make things better. Mediate my parents' fights, keep my brother out of trouble. I wanted to always be perfect in order to not have more drama to our lives. I can relate to that. I struggle with this now because I cared to a fault. I want to help other people and I've had to learn boundaries as, so as to not hurt myself in the process. I have the highest expectations of myself, which I believe stems from this as well. The truth, though, is that perfect is not real. Striving for greatness is good, but where is the line that goes into harming myself as a result? That's what I'm trying to learn. So I want to say to the letter writer, um, you hit the nail on the head with that. There is no such thing as perfect. One of my great friends, Scott Simon, the one who taught me about North Star Divorce, taught me also about permission to be human. And part of the solution that I think you're going to find along the way is to give yourself permission to be human when you're tired let yourself rest when you're hungry let yourself eat when you don't want to do something that you don't have to do 
say no. You're allowed to take care of yourself in a way that you'd never had to do before because before it was about survival and now you're on your own. She continues, I've also seen a very good example of what I do not want in any relationship. I have fear of repeating the same mistakes as my parents. I have weird relationships with my family members. We are not super close. I don't resent them or think they are horrible people. I know they were doing what they thought was their best with what they had at the time. I've seen with my own eyes divorces that do not have to be like this, though. What a great perspective. I love that you can take the darkness that you walked through and instead of making it more dark, you can decide that's not the relationship you want and that you can choose to walk away from that with the lessons you've learned and choose a different path for you and your partner and potentially future children. She says, I hope I have never had to experience divorce in my own life, especially when children are involved. But if I do, I'd aspire to be a parent that could keep the welfare of my kids before the muck and yucky stuff between myself and my former partner. Amen. Amen, child of divorce, because that's the only reason why your parents did what they did and the only reason why people out there that have really angry divorces are doing that. It's because they have their own anger and they will not let it go. She says, in closing... Having said that, I have so many experiences I've been able to use in order to grow. I'm a mess always and a constant work in progress, but I have come a long way. I hope my story can give some insight to others. Best child of divorce. First of all, I want to thank you for your courage and your honesty and vulnerability. The people I hope that listens to this podcast episode are the people that are currently in the middle of their divorce or post-legal divorce but are doing this to their kids. If it's not as intense as, as this letter writer's, but there's still some nuances of saying things that you shouldn't say in front of the kids, letting them know information they don't need to know, talking poorly about the other person, not showing up at events, not being there for your kid, regardless of how you feel about your ex, this is the time to change. My friend Scott, when I interviewed him, I asked him that question, what do you say to people who are currently in, the, in their divorce and they've already messed up? They've, they know that they're doing these things. And he said, start now. So if you're listening to this and you are part of the problem in your divorce and you cannot control what the other parent does or doesn't do, you can be the solution for your children. You can be the safe, secure parent who builds the bridge, who smiles and takes the high road, who shows up regardless of how uncomfortable it is because it's not about you, it's about them, and who does everything you can to keep your emotional baggage and garbage away from your kids. Kids need security and consistency and love, and that is it. I want to thank everybody out there that's listening. I want my listeners to know that if you have an issue you'd like my guidance on or a story you'd like to share, please send me an anonymous email to inyourcornercoach at gmail.com and maybe your letter will be on one of the next episodes. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and for the world around us. And for Child of Divorce, I'm sending you massive love. I believe in you. Keep doing the work. The only way out is through.